Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. We have got Guy Relford in studio with us. And when we have the gun guy here, we like to play a round of Ask the Gun Guy. So if you've got a firearms question, a situational question, now is the time to get it out there. Ryan, you're going to get us going first here. Ryan, rock and roll. Hey, how you doing? Good. All right, so I've got a question. My daughter's flying to Texas, in, well, actually next week, and she wants to take her handgun. She has a lifetime Indiana permit. What does she need to do in order to take it on the plane? Yeah, well, first thing is go to um, go to the TSA.gov and just search for traveling with firearms. Or you can just Google TSA traveling with firearms, and the link comes right up. But the, the short answer is it needs to be unloaded. And it needs to be in a hard-sided, lockable case. And hard-sided meaning once it's locked, you can't pry an end up or even look, you know, to be able to see the gun. It's got to be truly hard-sided and lockable. Um, it's got to be unloaded, although you can put ammo in a factory box in the same container with a, lo- with a gun locked up. You declare it at the baggage counter. You walk up and say, uh, I need to declare an unloaded firearm in my check bag. They have you uh, take it out and unlock the case, sign a placard that says uh, it's unloaded. You verify that. They throw it in there, and they give you a little piece of paper that says, I've declared an unloaded firearm, and you give that to the first TSA person when you go through security. She should expect to get a little extra love and affection going through uh, the TSA, uh, through the security checkpoint. Um, and then she has to report to the kiosk for TSA on the other side of the uh, x-ray machine and they tell her then at that point whether they need the key or the combination to open it back up and i think they're verifying that it's unloaded that's the shorthand version but oh and always check with the airline to see if they have any separate restrictions because sometimes they do on amount of ammo or whether you can even take ammo so you always check with the airline as well but that's the shorthand version but but what you definitely want to do is have her go to tsa.gov and and look for the traveling with firearms and that lays it all out really well all right, let's go to Gerald, who's up next. Gerald, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Love awesome. it. Love it. <laughs> hey, two quick questions. Um, guy, did uh, uh, Hammer and Nigel work their tails off on the uh, Red, White, and Blue Bull event? How great was that? <laughs> <laughs> guy was up there hanging out with us. Uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was that was fun, and it was a blast, and they did a fabulous job. Absolutely. Uh, uh, second question is, um, I'm going to be on the ballot to be a GOP delegate uh, coming up uh, this May. Um, I know that you've worked with uh, Todd Rokita on several gun issues. Yeah. Uh, Todd's a, a great 2A guy. What do you know about Micah Beckwith? Uh, do you have any information as to uh, his stance on 2A? 
Oh, absolutely. And and again, you're right on Todd Rokita. He has done a lot for 2A. We just collaborated on an official opinion um, that's really going to help out uh, Indiana gun owners. He and I worked together to write the Indiana uh, Gun Owners Bill of Rights that's published on the Attorney General's website. He's filed lawsuits. He's He's been fantastic. So uh, Todd Rokita is, is way high on my list on 2A. But listen, Mike is really, really strong on 2A, too. In fact, I've spoken at several different events on 2A issues, and Micah was right there with me me speaking on, on, the, on the same issue in support of Second Amendment rights. So he doesn't have the kind of actual uh, background in, in office, obviously, that Todd Rokita does to be able to point to. But but I know Micah. I consider him a friend. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, conversations. Like I say, we've spoken together, and he's very, very strong on 2A. I have, I have no reservations on that issue with him at all. David, you are up next on the Hammer and Nigel show. We got Guy Relford here. Hey, guys, this is David. Appreciate everything you guys do for 2A. Thank you, buddy. Hey, a uh, question for you on an SBR. So does a compensator, will that count in the overall length of that barrel of 16 inches? So, for example, if I have a 14-inch barrel and have a 2-inch compensator, is that going to make me legal with the uh, ATF? Only if it's permanent, meaning pinned and welded. Um, if it's if it's just Loctited on there on a threaded barrel, then the answer is no. So it's got to be permanent, and then that can help you out. Drew is up next. Drew, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. We've got Guy Relford here. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. A uh, quick question on um, stabilizer braces. Um, that was um, all the rage uh, last year about this time, and I haven't heard anything else about it. Is it is it still in litigation? Uh, well, what's going on with it? Yeah, well, it's still on the books. Um, so, you know, the ATF reg still says what it says, which is um, if you have a pistol brace on your pistol, that turns it into an SBR, and you, know, you got to register it, or you're looking at 10 years in federal prison. What happened, though, is there was a lawsuit in Texas in the Northern District of Texas where the judge issued an injunction that ostensibly prevents ATF from enforcing that even on a nationwide basis. Now, there's a real question of whether the one judge in the Northern District of Texas can tell the ATF what to do across the entire country. And that's an interesting legal issue, and, and, and I could just certainly argue either side of it, so we don't really know, and it hasn't gone any higher than that. I'm being told that ATF's not enforcing the pistol brace rule right now, but I don't trust the bastards, and and, 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 and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anybody else to trust them either. So what we need is for Congress to override it, for the ATF to withdraw it, I'm talking about the regulation at issue here, uh, or a court uh, like the Supreme Court to declare it unconstitutional and, and, and illegal based on how it was passed, which because it's legislative, um, but it was passed by an executive agency, which isn't supposed to have any legislative power. Um, and so there's a constitutional issue there. So we, we, it's not over yet. Uh, ATF says they're not enforcing it, but like I said, I don't, I don't trust them half as far as I can throw them. Uh, let's go to Randy. Randy's been waiting patiently. Go ahead, Randy. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question about the Alec Baldwin situation, and I never heard anyone mention this, but that type of gun could have fired without pulling the trigger. When I was a kid, I had a toy gun that was almost to scale called a Fanner 50. And it was a cap gun. But if you don't pull that hammer all the way back to where it locks 
open or, or in a firing position. And many a time, my thumb, I'm right-handed, would slip off and that hammer would fly forward and ignite the cap. Now, what I'm getting at is uh, it's a very tight spring-loaded hammer, and I have a feeling that's what happened. Alex Baldwin said that the cinematographer wanted him to, or zoomed in on the gun. Okay, I'm going to jump in here real quick because we're running out of time. Randy, thank you. Yeah, Go ahead, and, 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 and actually, when, it, when this particular gun, um, even uh, being a replica uh, of, a, of a gun, you know, that was produced in the, in the 1800s, uh, actually has safety devices that prevents exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, and you need to have your finger on the trigger to be able to fan the hammer like you're talking about. Otherwise, the hammer does not go forward and uh, strike the firing pin. So I, I think that was established out there by the prosecution with their experts. All right, we got two minutes left. I'm going to try to get both of these callers that have been waiting. Let's try to make it as quick as we can. Chad, go ahead. Yes, I want to go to the gun range with my shotgun and my AR. They have these gun carriers that mount to the, your seat, and you can hold a gun behind the seat. Are those legal in Indiana? And you can see them on Amazon and everything. Yeah, I mean, you can have, I mean, whether it's smart is a whole different issue, but in terms of the law, you can have a loaded AR with a safety off flopping around in your back seat. And if it doesn't go off and doesn't hurt anybody or endanger anybody, it's just flopping around your back seat. That's not actually a crime. Again, that's really dumb. And I know you're not suggesting you'd ever do that, nor am I, nor recommending it. But the law, there's no law in Indiana that talks to you about how the gun, a rifle, has to be transported in a vehicle. Joshua, we got a minute left, buddy. Rock and roll. Hey, uh, yeah, um, I was committed of a crime in 91. A guy got hit with a brick, bounced off of him inside of a car, hit his passenger in the foot, and I was charged with two counts of battery with bodily injury with a deadly weapon. It was a, And I went to trial, and uh, I realized that later on after I did my time, which I'm not admitting to it, I never did admit to it, that I was found guilty by a propane judge. And at that year that they were not allowed to make a decision, but to set in and hear. No, I mean, a, my a, original a, judge had went on vacation. Now, a pro tem judge, pro tem yeah, judge has all in. the same powers as a regular judge. They they go in, they receive a pro tem appointment. I've been a pro tem judge, um, and they they have all the same powers that the sitting judge does. They're just in there on a temporary basis. All right. Thank you so much for all your calls. Again, if you've got more issues, you can listen to the Gun Guy Show on the weekends or hit him up on social media at Guy Relford.